0: So, so real, real quick, let's let's debrief last week, guys. Last week, um, we were talking about cancel culture.
1: Um,
2: yes, you
0: missed that uh, that discussion last week with Pastor. Uh, oh man, I'm uh, just drawing a blank. Hayes, ah, yes,
1: Garrison, Garrison Hayes.
0: Yeah, G- Garrison Hayes. Oh, I, I'm. You know what? I was going a week prior to that. Yes, Garrison Hayes and um, and the, the doctor. Doctor
2: White yes, yes.
0: Um, mm-hmm. great discussion on um cancel culture what we found out what was funny is that is that um i was talking me and roger were talking and we had two totally different um concepts of what cancel culture was um and at some point you know we were looking at uh, Roger, we were looking at like different conference events being canceled. The yeah. GC yeah. being canceled <laughs> and things were said, I thought oh, we hey, we just
1: culture. canceling things. Yeah, just canceling things. We just <laughs> yeah. have a new culture. But, but man, when I when week, we did our research, yeah.
0: Yeah, that that that's not quite what cancel culture is. Cancel culture is a whole uh, a beast of a whole other nature. So um yeah. that was a uh, good was episode
2: last week. Yeah. Good episode. Yeah. And um, the stuff they brought to the table was was particularly interesting. And when you kind of looked on what's happening in the media, where people would just write you off, cancel you, uh, it's kind of frightening, though. In, in a, and I know last week they said this is kind of an accountability sometimes, because if you do something that is wrong, you say something, then, you know, you'll be... <laughs> Um, accountable for it, yeah. we won't buy your products. <laughs> You'll be fired yeah. from your job. But th- where's the forgiveness, though? That I think that's what I was struggling with with this cancel culture—the uh, forgiveness and what they do, or what what's happening within the culture. They'll bring something up from years ago, and they'll mm-hmm. say, "Hey, this is what he's all about. Let's x him out," and that's kind of dangerous.
0: Yeah, but it's also, it's also just kind of a reminder that, you know, you, it, you know people think it, there are times where it's okay to be a little careless and a little frivolous and, you know, all of that. And it's like, yeah, you've just, just got to be very careful. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what you say, when you say it, who you say it to. I, I, um, yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff. Man, I was watching, and I, I know I'm, I'm about to get in a whole lot of trouble right now. I read an article this week about Justin Bieber. I know our audience has no clue who Justin Bieber is, um, but um, then I'm getting texts and people saying that I am still uh, still not as loud as everybody else. Um, okay. So I am adjusting that. You guys let me know when I when that sounds a little bit better. Um, but yeah, so I was uh, the thing about Justin Bieber. They were looking at Justin Bieber went and got. Um, Uh, dreads dreadlocks in his hair or whatever and and people were mad they were like Justin Bieber is um what what do they call that when you uh somebody's culture you are um like co-opting the culture what's that term um somebody in the chat I'm sure knows what it is um
1: Mm
2: -hmm
0: anyway they were mad they, they're like you, you know you're not black you can't wear dread stop it you're like you're taking our culture and <clears throat> what's that term somebody knows that term um and and it was like and i'm thinking yeah okay but i'm seeing like twitter posts of black women with yeah cultural appropriation that's it jillian hey jillian um <laughs> yeah, culture appropriated, was appropriating the culture. And I'm like, I'm seeing a whole lot of black women, like, uh-uh, don't do that. But they got perms in their hair. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> how, how can we, you be mad at him appropriating the culture, but you got straight hair. Or, you know, and it's like so much that we do. I mean, we eat Chinese food. We eat spaghetti. We eat, you know, are we, just because we do some of those things that are, and I'm not so sure that that, that was worth the there being a, a news, a news item, but it's in response to things like that that there are some people who are that's the reason they are canceling people because they feel that their behavior or whatever is, is somehow, um, -hmm. inappropriate or they don't agree with it. They don't like it. And so they're not just trying to cancel. And that's what we talked about last week. They're not just trying to cancel this specific behavior of the individual or the specific thing. They're just canceling them and everything that they have to do with period. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, so that's, that's part of that, um, part of what we talked about on last week anything else guys from last week you wanted to bring up
1: <clears throat> I think dr dr Henry you 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 really touched on a topic on the on the piece of the topic I was really interested in is the forgiveness aspect um, mm, even how yeah. forgiveness came into the conversation because um, you would think once you finish once you did it or once you put the stuff out to cancel the person, and and you and you stop. That was it. But there is a forgiveness because there is a real hurt. Um, we kind of pointed out some of the things. Um, you know, pa- you know, Pastor Garrison uh, Hayes shared that: Are we really making a difference with it? Is it really doing mm-hmm. something? Because you, know, you put you do that cancel culture thing, and the person still continues doing what they're doing, or the person <laughs> doesn't really get impacted. Um, per se, they may lose some money, they may lose some some followers, but they continue doing what they're doing. So the, his, his question was, uh, I think for me, is the forgiveness piece, and the other question was, is it really um, something serious that makes a difference in you know in the overall?
2: Yeah. And, and you know, one one of the things that I was thinking about too is the impact of the church with this cancel culture. So here's the thing. I know and last week, I think they did a good job kind of defining that and kind of navigating us through some of the the definitions. But could it be though that in the church, we are in danger of embracing this type of culture so that if somebody that is a leader of the church, um, if we go back and bring some things up that they asked God for forgiveness years ago, we bring it up and then now their whole career is jeopardized because of that. Is that a form of cancel culture or is it a form of accountability? You know, mm.
0: well now, now we can, we, we can, you we that's a whole barrel that, that, that you just <laughs> almost cracked open. And I don't know if you want to crack it all open because, because when you said that the first thing that came to my mind was what we do with, um, Um, uh, sexual predators, right? So we have, and I don't know a lot lot of the people know this, but I remember sitting in a pastor's meeting, it was a leadership meeting um, where Mm -hmm. our conference secretary, I think it was our conference secretary, conference president at the time told us this, that if you have somebody in your congregation who has been convicted of a sexual, what do we call that? uh, um, uh, Being a sexual predator, um, then... And if you know it as the pastor, then this is the protocol. You have to get up in front of your congregation and ask the person to stand up and point him out or her out to everybody and say, this individual is here. This is what they have been convicted of. And they are on the premises in the building. My <clears throat> And, and that's like that was presented to us as if that's policy. that's the 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 operating policy of the 7th Day Adventist Church when we have uh, when we have known sexual offenders, I guess that's the term um sexual offenders that are attending our worship services that that's what we have to do and And I'm like, uh,
1: uh, I, I don't hmm. know I, I I don't remember reading that. <laughs> Um, I don't think that is what's actually written in the policy. Now the policy is extent and the policy does, does say we need to be uh, proactive about it. Um, one of the things that was interesting to me was that that person, when they come to church, there's a deacon assigned to them and mm-hmm. that deacon yeah. sits with them, that deacon <laughs> worships with them. But it, it, it has, it goes back to the sense of how we treat unwed mothers or teen mothers in our church, is how we oh. treat offenders.
2: Listen, I see something in the chat. Y- yeah, I'm seeing... This fellowship. It's so, it's, yeah. <laughs> how about this fellowship? Again, <laughs> forms, are these forms of, of cancel culture? Do they um, create an environment where people will cancel them out? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think this is interesting because of what she said, the aspect of forgiveness. Yeah. Well, but then yeah. accountability, you have accountability. You have forgiveness. Yeah. Forgiveness. And how do we balance both? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And, and then you've got to
0: think that if, if, if you're that individual and, mm. and you're sitting next to in that same congregation, you're sitting next to somebody who stole, you know, $250,000 from that same church. Um, you are privy to that. You happen to know it. Not everybody else knows it, but you're sitting next to a thief. They weren't outed like that. Then that right. person sitting on the other side of you, um, mm. cheated on their wife and, and has messed with five other women in the church. Um, and they weren't outed like that, but, and you, you have to wonder, you know, are these people wrestling and grappling with that? If you have been convicted of a felony or something like that, um, Policy that at least in my conference as it has been presented to us, then you cannot work in treasury ever for the rest of your life. You cannot work in Mm -hmm. Pathfinders. You cannot work in lower division Sabbath school. You cannot work anything to do with children. Those things are part of our risk management policies. Um, And I'm pretty sure that that's that's at least union-wide, if not division-wide. And so when you talk about that, Dr. Henry, Mm -hmm. forgiveness and th- then you open that can of what then does forgiveness look like? Are we saying that these people aren't forgiven just because we have these, but as somebody, I think George uh, mentioned talking about protecting the flock. Yes, mm-hmm. we, ha- we have, we have, do we have, we have a responsibility for that? Absolutely. Um, so those are some things that I don't, I don't know that they really have easy, easy answers.
2: Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and, and I think also they don't have easy answers is because we don't live as a church, we don't live with that kind of mindset. We believe that um, the church is safe. Um, I remember when I was young, I'll go to the building and my parents were like, hey, he's at church, he's safe. <laughs> And, uh, you know, yeah. you, you didn't have to worry about, you were in church safe, but yeah. that's not really a reality. You know, we, there are, you know, I think God winks at what they say is winks. He, he winks at fools and babes. <laughs> I'm not a babe anymore, but you know, I've, <laughs> so,
2: so this, yeah, this, um, exclusion, you know, or from society or. You're not a part of my group anymore. These, I think there's like all forms, ingredients. They give the environment of going full throttle and saying, hey, you're done. I'm ostracizing you. You're canceled in my life. You know, um, I, I don't know. I think there's issues that are happening in our church where, we're going to have, and we've had a lot of people who are saying, I'm out because of this issue. Again, yes. we're not saying, and I, and I hear the people on the chat, you're right, there's not cancel culture. And, and again, last week, we realized that, although they gave a good definition, I thought, this, I mean, it's hard to really define it. You know, and I think they mentioned that last week. But are we having, are we just creating an environment where it's easy for us to ostracize people and not worry about them anymore. Yeah.
0: Well, okay. So, so the flip, the other flip side of that, and I think you saw um, Dr. Pollard's comment just now. So I'll put it back up. He's saying, yeah, so we're talking about the offender, but what about the confidence of our members? They're saying, look, we're sending you our kids to, to be in your pathfinders, to be in your choir, to be on your, you know, uh, uh, adventurers club. We are, giving you our blood to protect um and so what happens when they feel like we're not doing enough by doing things like what was stated before so yeah like i said i don't know that it's a
1: no 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 but i think i think this is where this is where the problem comes in and there are two things i want to share one of them being the accountability the accountability is not being the accountability after the fact. I think accountability also kicks in before the fact. So that's where you, you develop policies, you develop training, okay. you develop opportunities to make sure that those things are uh, in the atmosphere so that when it arises, it's not swept under the rug, it's not dealt with in a negative way, it's dealt with in a love a loving way of sharing that, that we are accountable to the group that we have. and I think that's where we miss a lot. And, and the other piece, the other caveat to that is that uh, as a pastors, we are not really trained in that accountability. Hmm. I, I said this last night in our little test uh, show last night, our hour, training hour is and in and how to test. <laughs> yes. <laughs> our training <laughs> is how to take a text and pass the text and interpret the text and, and apply the text and, Texts don't work when you are dealing with someone's situation. Well, let me not say, oh, it. let me not, let me not, let me yeah, not, let me yeah. not yeah. paint me it
2: all. Out. Out. Watch Help it. Watch out. it. Help me out. <laughs> Help me out. <laughs> there, there are
1: times, there are times when the text comes in and then, you know, but our members will look at us and say, well, pastor, that ain't helping me now. <laughs> But 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 right. you know you know what 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 we did for Paul is not going to help Pauline you know so <laughs> uh, I'm just saying we've uh-huh. got to learn how to deal with people. Pastor uh, Dr. pollard really brought it out. What about our members' confidence? How 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 are they looking to us when if we are not accountable to them in developing policies and practices that protect them?
2: And and then I'm going to just come on on what Roger said because I think he made a good point and we kind of laughed at it. But there is the spirit of the law, the deeper meaning of the law, the deeper meaning of the text. And so even Jesus in his earthly ministry, he said, okay, you've heard it said this, thou shalt not kill. But I say unto you, if you're angry with your brother without cause, you know, so getting into the deeper meaning of the text, that these words are more than just words, but this is the spirit of God. The spirit of God is speaking to us. And what we need to do is follow the spirit of God with the biblical text, but follow that spirit of God. And then we'll be able to now use that into our daily life. Uh, I want to say this too. So we're talking about, oh, by the way, is anything else going to be on today? Could I, I mean, (laughs) I think there's a plan here somewhere. Could I just bring it (laughs) up?
0: Yeah, So, so the plan today, uh, as as our, our our crew who popped on last night, was to do exactly what we're doing right now. Okay. Um, can, can can we just can we we just out the cookies? Um, so so the reality is we, we, we had a couple of guests that we could not get today, um, and that just were not able to join us today. So um, so we are uh, doing exactly what we're doing right now. Bless the Lord okay. oh my soul.
2: So. So listen to this, y'all. Now when we started off with the pastor's round table. Okay. Pastor Paul and Pastor Wade, you could testify to this. I I am strong on the structure has to change. Right? I mean I, I kinda not, not of the you know, roundtable, we talked about. But
0: of the Say it again. I say you're no, you're not talking about the structure of the round table. You're talking about the no, structure no, no. of the
2: yeah, the, ad, the Adventist Church, our organizational structure, okay. how we do things. One of the things that I I think that not only, you know, we're doing a roundtable, we brought in different guests, they gave different opinions, and there's other um, places within our organization that have looked at the structure. And, and you know, we went through some articles and, and that sort of thing about that as mm-hmm. well. But with all these constituency meetings taking place okay, and with the power of the people, the rights of the people, the people have rights for the people, by the people, you know, okay. we talked about anyways, rights last night. All right, we'll right, I like, so I feel like m- more intentionality should be given in, in the various areas of our church to structural change to really be intentional and say, you know what, is this necessary now? We went through, we're still in COVID, right? But it is getting a little better here and other parts of the world. I know that are struggling, but we went through COVID and some of the conference did extreme. Some of the conferences did extremely well. Some of the churches did extremely well. Looking at that, we had to eliminate a lot of things that we've done before. There wasn't a lot of travel, okay? A lot of our departmental leaders and so forth, that we, we didn't travel a lot. And traveling is good. You know, the in-person is powerful, but we didn't do a whole lot of that. I think some departmental leaders sometimes, you know, maybe are scrambling around trying to figure out what to do, right? Because it's a different time. I think we got to seriously take a look at these things. And, and make some changes um, that's going to be better for our churches and for our, our movement. And as we look at the organizational structure, we also have to look at the pastoral ministry. Hey, listen, let's face it, just talking to some of the people that are uh, intimately involved in the seminary, students and theology students, not a lot of people are going into this anymore. Right. Okay, like before. I mean, when you look at the the number of uh, theolo- theologians that we have within our church, even in the upper echelon, when we look at the theology students, there's not a lot. Why? And I think that those things have to be looked at and I think it also goes back to this organization, how we're structuring our church. And I think we need to do some things a little different so that we can be more effective.
1: But but Dr. Henry, I have to I have to be honest with you, things are changing, especially structurally. Yes. Um COVID okay. has forced, um, no, um, made no, 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 no. It has <laughs> forcefully made this church to relook at how we do ministry. Um I remember when I, when I, you know, when when it came down to the brass tacks as a union lead as a union leader, most of my job is travel. And for three months, I sat at home. And then even after that, when things started to kind of normalize, we still at home. There is still more Zoom meetings, more more virtual things that are happening. We are not traveling as it was. So I believe what you want to see happen is happening. It it is, it is happening, but But let me
2: say this. And I know Anselm probably wants to jump into this. See, so when COVID happened, um, a lot of the, just from my hearsay, so this is, I can't say it's factual, but a lot of departmental leaders were struggling on what to do. But Mm -hmm. see, you were different though, because you were doing, even though you were home, man, you were doing some powerful ministry and you're still doing powerful ministry. I mean, we were on virtual meetings when I was up there at the Mid-American Union. I was, you know, the Central States Conference. You know, you you were there in Mid-America and you were serving that field. You were doing some creative things in COVID as a departmental leader. But I can't say that for a lot of departmental leaders. Now, pastors as well, it's hard to make this change. This pivot was hard. Okay. I'll just be transparent. It was hard. You know, the camera's not right. Got to do this. So we had to make, you know, trying to make the pivot, the budget had to be there. It, It was hard to make the pivot, but there's some, I think positions within our church that maybe the pivot for them is find a church, you know, let's find a church, let's find a church and let's pastor. Okay. But for you, what you were doing and what you're still doing, creative stuff, you made the pivot, you were effective on what you were doing, you're effective on what you're doing now. And I think we got to take a look at that as a denomination because I feel that we have positions in our church that are really just sit down, no pressure, write it out. And when it comes to constituency meeting, I want to get voted back. Why? Because I don't want to go and, and do real ministry and and, the, and real ministry doesn't always mean a church. It could mean doing something in the conference or the union, but not really willing to work. I think they need to take a page out of your book, Roger. And I'm not just giving these props because you know, we're friends and on pastors Roundtable. but I've seen you work. I mean, you know, and I think it, it says a lot about you, but it also says that other departmental leaders, officers in the church, and we go through other, you know, institutions within our church as well, but there has to be some type of evaluation to see if what they're doing is relevant, really. And I think that's where we need to go as a denomination.
0: If, if I would just chime in on on some of this, it's almost to me, it seems like that that those organizations, and I mean, I'm using that loosely within our whole denomination, churches, conferences, unions, departments, whatever it is, that have done well, as you say, Dion, uh, making the pivot, I would almost suggest, I would suggest that most of those were probably people or groups or organizations who even prior to the pandemic were already kind of bending in those directions. Um, okay. Churches who already had a good digital footprint and an idea on that are ones that survived and did well or thrived rather during the pandemic. I, 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 I am afraid, and, and I started writing something on this the other day, and I, I, I haven't gotten through it yet, but I, I am afraid, especially now, our conference in Southeastern, we're talking about reopening in July. <clears throat> And, and I'm afraid, I'm like very afraid, um, of, of reopening and, 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 it's not because of COVID or people catching the disease or whatever. I'm afraid that there are still so many people who just can't wait to get back to normal that when we open churches again, then we will get back to normal, mm. um, as as much as there are some of us that feel that you know, we had this moment, there's this moment that that we had a an opportunity and there was a window to be able to really push forward and make ministry more than about brick and mortar of the building and about you know touching really touching people's lives outside of the 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 time the the, the show that we put on in the in the sanctuary, it's like I know that there are people who have been stifled in, in, in the pandemic because of, of, relation, you know, they want to touch, they want to feel and whatever. I went to a funeral. The funeral was a, a super spreader, um, ridiculously a super spreader. Um, we were packed in all nice and tight, but even myself, when I got, I sat in that, in that, that, that sanctuary and that, the congregation struck up, um, we're marching to Zion. Um, <laughs> Come we that love the Lord. And and, and and the the music just filled the place and here. I missed that. it felt good and I'm sitting there and thinking, man I can't wait till the congregations can get back and we can do this and 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 yet and yet while you you, you I, I want that, I, I still feel that there are some of us that that's all we want. We want Mm. to come back and and sit back in our spectator seats Mm. and just watch the show and feel good about what we've just seen and experienced while Mm. not being willing to be transformed by it. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that we are just so ingrained to be—it's so ingrained in us to be spectators—that um, worship is is, uh, is 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 not an action verb for for so many of us. That worship is confined between eleven and 1 mm. 30, 2 o'clock. If you're you know, um, but and it's like ah, that's if scary, you had, if you to that scary to me. That is literally scary to me.
2: So if you at New Hovers too. <laughs> No, Nimo, Nimo, no, 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 you, uh, pa- our- Pastor,
1: Pastor, Pastor Paul, you are hitting, you are hitting where you're, you're scratching where it's itching, it, itching where it's scratching. Um, I, I just want you to know, as you were sharing, the issue came, the thought came to mind is that one of the reasons everybody wants to get back to, to church, to that kind of so-called normalcy is because that's, that's the only thing that connects them to worship. I, I don't think I don't think our folks I think we have done our churches such a disservice in making people feel that when I walk through the doors of this building I'm at worship where worship is about when you get up in the morning you listen to your song you, you know you, you, you get your vibe on you get your worship going um, some unfortunately I, I come from a culture that, um high worship you know got to get in there sing uh have scripture prayer two songs sing all four stanzas and have a <laughs> yes, preached sir. word yeah have a yes. preached word and that's worship but that's not what covid has taught me worship is not that worship worship is when you sit down uh, you know and um that actually the new the new for me right now walking away from the accident two weeks ago that's worship
2: Mm -hmm. wow mercy come on preacher
1: that's worship yeah i i i think about when i when the car hit and i was sitting in the in the driver's seat shaking Mm -hmm. and i and and but i had my faculties i i can move my feet i I knew what was going on on.
2: yes worship yeah yeah you didn't need a praise team did you
1: no i didn't need a praise i (laughs) didn't even a pastor and i was one that, that's worship. And, and I think, I think we, we have, we have taught our members one thing. And so now when it, when it stopped, it was like, I got to get back to that because if I don't have that, I don't have worship.
0: Mercy. Yeah. 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 And, and a lot of that is our oh. fault. You know, I mean, I hate to say it, but as, as preachers, we have contributed, um, as, as one famous person would have said bigly, uh, to, um, to that mindset. Um... Mm-hmm and somehow we've got to, we've got to, we've got to find a way to check that. Listen, I I see, I see some folk in this, in this chat today that, um, we talked about yesterday. We might want to, we just kind of letting this roll, but I'm curious to see, uh, hear some of their contributions. So I see George out there. He's been one of our former guests, George, if you'd like to join us today, we, we got space for you. I see Dr. Pollard in the chat. Um, if you'd like to come on and, 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 and discuss some of these, knock some of these ideas about around with us, John Mills, I see you there, any of you. As a matter of fact, um, um, TJ, if you are, if you were there, if you can just put that link, um, put the link in both the Facebook uh, chat as well as in the YouTube chat, in the comments, uh, <clears throat> if anybody has something they want to come on and contribute with us, we're going to be brave. And uh...
1: Uh, Dr. Dr. Pollard, Dr. Pollard put a, uh, a comment up about the biggest casualty of COVID-19 would be the mega churches. Um, And, and I, I have to agree with that. That's what I'm hearing too, uh, Dr. Pollard. And as I'm reading different things about how churches are, have pivoted I, I'm, a, I'm about to share an article with the South Central Conference uh, pastors about the concept of not doing a hybrid service not necessarily going back to church to just show your worship service but realizing your content online has to be different from your content that if you are in person you're gonna have to you're gonna have to be a different content because it's a different mindset. I mean, for a year and a half, people have been coming to church in their dusters and in their fluffy, you know, fluffy slippers, you know, <laughs> fuzzy slippers. And you're going to make them, yeah. you know, have to put on stockings and hats. Uh, you know, it's going to be a different mindset, and and we have to be prepared for that.
2: So watch this. If you're a church, uh, or represent a church on the building department or building chair. And you had plans to build a big church. Like you had a 500, 750, maybe a thousand seater church, but COVID stopped it. Now we're coming out. Are you still going forward with a thousand seater sanctuary? We're not talking about multi-purpose, a thousand seats. Are we still doing it? Pugues I don't bolted, know.
0: Bolted to the floor. I can't move them. They're just, <laughs> boom, stationary. can that that's about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think you I gave. Mean, I, I think know.
1: you gave it away. I think you gave it away, Doctor 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 You gave it away. You, you, we have to. We'll have to pivot. I, mm-hmm. I may not so be able probably. to do a thousand anymore. I may not have to consider. Maybe I need to do something a little smaller. Get some smaller groups. Do smaller worship opportunities. Uh, that's the thing about. Know. That's the thing about what we we find ourselves in. Most of us have been just taught one thing and now how am i going to change that one thing um i'm i'm used to only doing church a particular way i can only practice um you know connecting with people a certain way uh, um now listen you know what's you know what's winning with a lot of church members now visits mm-hmm. personal visits yeah, even yeah. if it's zoom it's a personal visit
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you you talking about that stuff Auntie Ellen was talking about years ago about hey, that personal hey. work personal ministry hey.
1: yeah.
0: yeah listen I am, I am waiting I want to make sure that this gets in that uh, in that chat the link so I'm going to go ahead and post that if I can find that right quick so yeah, yeah you guys carry on I'm going to figure out how to how to get this in there so
1: so yeah so we we have we have a lot to do in terms of 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 change and and the thing for me is this it's going to look different for every single congregation Mm -hmm. you know we we tend to feel that a church of 200 or less um, looks a certain way but (laughs) now it's going to be Every church is different. Every congregation, because we have a makeup of people who are so different, we have to minister to the people and not just minister to the space in that's on the corner of 4th of, of and Main, because that's mm-hmm. what we used to do. We would minister at the church and not
2: realize we need to minister at the home. Mm, very, very important. One of the things that I recommend... Um, and I don't have the book here with me, but I talked about it, I think, two roundtables ago, or two meetings ago, and that's this book called The Post-Quarantine Church. Mm-hmm. Post-Quarantine yeah. Church. Thomas Rayner, and he gives some points on what the church um, should focus on post-quarantine. Yeah, One of the things with community, another thing he mentioned is um, multi uh, or a collaboration between other churches. Yes. And there was a, things like that he mentioned in this book. And it's a simple read. You know, you could read it in a day. I mean not even a day. just sit down 3 4 hours simple book. But it's a good book to kind of get you started on what the mindset might be. Cuz we really don't know what it's going to be, right? But we're just saying based on what we see now, this is the direction but I think we should go as a church.
1: Hey, let's let's challenge let's challenge our viewers. Why don't you put in the chat um, what is it you would like to see your church do? What ministry would you like to see your church do now in the pivot? Um, maybe maybe these things. <laughs> <laughs> at least at least
0: from here up, you can just yes just yes. <laughs>
1: Uh, But what what ministry you would like to see in your church? And and, and do know that this may be an encouragement to others who are looking on because there are people who are pulling their hair out, trying to figure out what do we do? What what is it do we do? So place in the chat. What ministry would you like to see um, it come from come from your church uh, community at this point?
0: Yeah, uh, interesting you ended, ended or, or, or with that last phrase that you did because I, I have a new hobby horse and it's just a, a realization that um, I feel like is, is, is overlooked. And I, we had this conversation last night, um, Roger. That, that it feels to me that going forward or the way forward in ministry for us now will have much more to do with creating community than it does with creative programming. Mm. Um, And that's not to say that creative programming is not necessary, is not helpful, um, is not a good thing. But, and, and I'm talking about even in the virtual space, so creating community because we're going to have a whole lot of people. There's a lot of people who have just said, I ain't coming back. My wife was telling me she was talking to a um, a builder the other day who was like, you know, brick and mortar is dead. Um, brick and mortar is dead. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's a builder saying that. Um, and, and and that I'm so I'm talking about an age group, by the way, not a profession. Um, <clears throat> we're the builders. So that's that kind of World War II generation just after the World War II generation. So... Um, The idea is that somehow in this virtual space where we're having our meetings, we're having our our workshops, we're having our worship services, Mm -hmm. we have they have in many cases turned into spectator events as well. The same stuff that we were bothered by in the building. Even more so now, because people are hidden behind the screen and they can, you know, grab their fuzzy slippers and house coach and rollers and just spectate all the way out. Um, but we've got to find a way to create community in our church and worship spaces. And Roger, you brought out a great point last night that in our liturgy, our liturgy has never been highly relational. Um, mm-hmm. it's been didactic. We've gotten in the pulpit and we have, you know, kind of, you know, hollered and screamed at folk from the pulpit during the, the meaty time of the day. Um, and, and the relational part was that four and a half minutes when we sang, I'm going way back on us, reach out and touch somebody's hand. <laughs> yeah, y'all not old enough. Dion, you remember that old Mount sign uh,
2: It don't age <laughs> me, man.
0: but those are you know that that was like the most relational part of the worship liturgy is when people got up to stand up and shake people's hands and then you know you had a whole section of the church that said there's no way we should do that it's irreverent to do in the church so so even that was curbed from 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 time to time but then it was what maybe potluck sabbath school was probably the most relational thing that was intentional um but yeah, so we've got to find a way for people when they come into our virtual spaces to feel like I'm comfortable here, this is home, I like these people, I know these people, I, or I want to get to know these people and I wanna hang out here again. Um, and, it, and it cannot be, and I'm gonna stress this, if we rely simply on the creativeness and the polishedness of our programming, I don't know that that is sustainable because there's always going to be a bigger church with a bigger budget and a better tech Mm -hmm. guy and a better preacher and a better uh, praise team and a better who, I mean, they're just a click away now. They don't have to get in their car and drive nowhere. They scroll and click Mm -hmm. and they're over there. There's gotta be something that we do in our virtual spaces that is beyond just having nice polished, well presented programming. And, and I'm not saying that that's not important. Yes, we need to polish our stuff. It needs to get better. Most of our stuff needs to go to a whole nother level Mm -hmm. as far as the, 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 quality of what we're putting out there. But we're getting to a point where you can have all the quality you want, but if you're not speaking to me, if if I'm not, if I'm not getting value, personal value out of it, Click, 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 or just grab the popcorn, eat up while I'm watching, and then peace, I'm out. And there's been no discipling going on.
2: Wow, discipling. You know, that brings us back to that show that we we did or that program that we did. We talked about digital uh, digital evangelism, yeah, which yeah. involves d- digital discipleship. And that's that may be something we need to bring back because creating that community I think what she said, Pastor Paul, is so important, creating that community within this virtual space, speaking to the people. Uh, just three weeks ago or two weeks ago, uh, we had a camp meeting here in the Florida Conference, and Derek Morris was one of the presenters during the, I believe, during the Sabbath school time, and he also preached. And he was mentioning that they're doing a Bible study, and they're actually creating community in this Bible study. I mean, is, is this interesting? Everyday life issues, whatever. But they're creating community and that Bible study has just taken off. Yeah. I mean, they have thousands of people listening in because they're creating community within that virtual space. So I think you're right on it.
0: Yeah, I, you know, and sometimes it, it's it's that whole thing where you've got that Sabbath school teacher that teaches a Sabbath school class and they get up and they just preach the way through the entire cyber school lesson and nobody <laughs> nobody gets a question in or a word in and there's there's no interaction between the people and if you say chat. something and wrong that's here, not what i'm looking at. yeah yeah they only <laughs> saying, say something wrong and then they spend the next 15 minutes you know, uh, you know correcting uh, you. yeah correcting your stuff and it's like yeah, if i had here i would pull it out in those situations but people need in our spaces They've got to be able to feel like I am comfortable here. I am safe here. And even if I'm not always comfortable, because you're not always comfortable at home, but they still gotta feel like this is a place that I'm I, I can call home.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean the the quickness of our pivot to the to the virtual space did not help in that. I, I think a lot of churches did not know how to prep their people to to, to have the etiquette. In, in the in the in the virtual space i get discouraged when i go to a meeting and um and everybody doesn't have their their, their cameras on i was um you go to preach for churches and you see four people <laughs> you go to preach for churches uh there are four people it, it 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 does give you that it doesn't it doesn't help to build the community and you're in zoom it's not even that you're out in facebook you're in zoom And you don't even feel safe enough to show your face in Zoom. And so I think our folks are willing to check the box that they're in attendance, but they're not willing to check the box that they're part of a community. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm looking at Dr. Pollard's um, last um, post or question there. Um, Doc, you need to go ahead and, 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 uh, and get out of your pajamas, man, and hop on that link. Um, I, I know,
2: uh, <laughs> <it> says,
0: <laughs> so you can, you can ask these questions real time with us it says, uh, oh, wait, 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 where'd it go? Um, you don't, you don't even have to put on, you can leave the pajama bottoms on doc, just, just from the top up, just, uh, <laughs> just, okay. Research on the po- on the post pandemic student shows that the new student is free and highly selective. Um, could we use similar, ah, where'd it go? Could we use similar research on our members because to guess wrong might be fatal? Um, I, agree I agree that guessing wrong might be fatal, but I'm not sure I understand what you mean by free and highly selective. That's why you need to click the link, Doc, and hop on. And
1: uh, I, I, I interpreted that to mean that they were highly selective in what they choose to watch and be a part of. So I was, I took it from that perspective, but the other piece was, could we use this similar research on our members? The question came to mind is, can we Roger, find our Roger, members? Roger,
0: Roger, Roger, Roger. You're not, we're not on the same page, man. You're supposed to be helping me. Like, we don't know what you mean. <laughs> dot com. Explain it to us.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, yeah. no, no, no. I'm not saying he can't come. I'm just saying that's what I was thinking. But the question for me is, can we find our members? You know, our um, yeah. members. Are they? Are we able to reach them? Um, did we have things in place that we we can keep up with our members even during this, this COVID-19 situation? Yeah,
0: and, and just some of us just have not done a very great job at that either, just taking care of what we already have, much like Somebody asked a question way earlier in the chat about well, what have baptisms done during Covid, Mm -hmm. you know, have they Mm -hmm. gone up? Have they plateaued? Have they gone down? Um, In some parts of the world, yeah, like like the the thing that was it West Jamaica, East Jamaica conference, West Jamaica conference, West Jamaica, man. My members and in uh, uh, Florida. yeah. Well, y'all know Florida is, is, is you yeah. um, know. So, yeah. So, like, every Sabbath after church, you know, we're watching. I'm watching with my members. Think, and they baptized mm-hmm. a whole lot of folk out of that virtual series that they did. So yeah. it is possible. Uh, and not that Listen. anybody has done it, but it's absolutely been possible.
2: Let me tell you something. It's possible. And, you know, even in this church that I'm pastoring now, We've had, you know, a couple of baptisms, probably about six or seven this year. People just emailing me. I mean, I've never seen it before. They're just emailing me saying, I want to be baptized. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I get that to my Bible worker and she takes care of business. You know, she's powerful. Yeah. And, and, and then just, just the stretch that we have. We're doing Bible studies with people outside of the country.
0: Yeah, And, you know, yeah.
2: so the spirit of God is moving, you know. Yeah.
0: Listen, Pastor Pastor John Colson, um says that our sermons will have to be more practical. I fear the art of preaching that prioritizes celebration at the neglect of application will hurt the church further. And, you know, th- there, there is a generation of us or a segment of, of us who... And we like preaching, and we like listening to preaching. I, I don't know a preacher that doesn't like listening to preachers preach, right? And we it's, we don't always get to do it, but and and it's the it's the it's the it's the most unique thing and fun thing in the world to sit and watch preachers watch preaching. Um, anybody who's ever been to Pel- Pelk, you you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but there's there is another generation uh, that's probably a little younger than 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 than, than us. Um, I, I, remember I pastored a collegiate church and I was, I, I had, um, like 30 some people on my board. There were like three of us that were over or three that were over 40. And at the time I was not one of them. Um, and so it was a very you know young leadership and all that. And, and I remember that was the first church that I pastored, I actually had a budget where I could bring in some speakers. Um, and so I was bringing in, you know, every big name preacher that you could think of. I, I brought to that church um, just about. And uh, somebody's thinking, Matt, he didn't bring me. Um, but Dion, you came, right? Uh, Roger, you came. No, uh, man.
2: You didn't invite me, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. But, but, but and this is what I got from those kids. Those kids didn't care. They, they, mm-hmm. they hadn't heard of some of these people who for me I mean they were the ones that were real they, for they they weren't moved by they wanted to get out in the streets and do something and, and, and change the world they didn't care as much about the hooping of the preaching and, and the you know the the excitement of the preaching yes they wanted something that they wanted some 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 real stuff but they didn't care about the trappings of it. They could get just excited, just as excited from the ideas that were, that were transmitted um, during the sermon, not necessarily how it was delivered. Um, and Pastor so Paul, I, I think, think John is, John is Paul wants on. to come on. Oh, is he in?
2: Is He's John looking in? for the link.
0: Oh, okay. Let me, uh, let me put it back in there. Oh, he is okay. So he's seeing it on. Um,
1: he's a new, he's, a, okay, he's I, on. He's on. Okay, I got it. YouTube, him.
0: I think. I'm gonna send it directly to him.
1: Boom. Oh, I, I
2: think I, sermons.
1: Yeah, but I, I think I think one, like, one of you. the things one of the things we have to be mindful of in in presentation it is it George. is coming to how do you take how do you, you know some people would do the theatrical to be um to think that that's what we need to do to to get the, message.
3: the the
1: the theatrical helps us to to i think to ground the message and i think that's something that's that's how i was taught that you, you preach a message if you use a particular um M- mnemonic, whether it's a word or it's a, a style or something, it has to fit what you're preaching. You yeah, know, yeah, it can't yeah. just be because you want to act like somebody. And and I think that's where a lot of people miss, miss the understanding.
0: Yeah. Hey, listen, you guys may remember a uh, a segment we did back in season two. That, uh, it was the uh, millennial series that we had with uh, Pastor Myron Edmonds and with Chaplain George Torres, and George Red, has joined yes. us. Uh, so, happy yes. and we know that we wanted uh, uh, Chaplain to come back with us, so we are excited he has joined us today. Chap, how are you, sir?
3: I'm doing good. As a matter of fact, I just got back from doing chapel service on post.
0: Okay, and where where are you posted these days? Or is that is that top secret? Is that uh, no? It's, it's still good <laughs> Fort Bragg, <Brigham>, North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all
2: right, all right. Wow. Well, listen, you've been busy in the chat. And uh, and by the way, when you came on our show the last time, we appreciate your comments. Uh, I think they were really, really good. And uh, just good to have you back. So, listen, what do you think about
3: all of this? You know, this post-quarantine
2: yeah, I- church.
3: Yeah, I just think um, so. I'm going to give you the perspective from a military base. Um, I, I work with the mission command commander. He's actually um, my boss, the CG. The, uh, so he's a three-star lieutenant uh, general Carrillo. And one of the things that he made from the from the start is that he will not um, have our chapels um, closed. So we have kept our chapels open throughout the whole entire time. Um, but at the beginning of it. Um, we actually started doing virtual first. Um, And then, so we started with the virtual chapel services. uh, Then we moved there from, uh, to 50% and close, uh, very, we're very close to having back to 80 and and up to a hundred percent as we um, get vaccinated um, in those chapel services. Has it changed the way we do chapels? Of course it has, because in the past we didn't do virtually, right? And so uh, from going to virtual, to now um, uh, the way we've been conducting services. Um, but I think one of the things that we've realized is that it, it will it, well, it has changed the way we will continue to do chapel services.
2: Tell me about this vaccination. I guess you all are maybe required. Am I right?
3: We're not required, but we're highly uh, <laughs> um, It's strongly encouraged. Uh, strong encouraged, yes. Yes, okay, strongly encouraged. Cool. And so as of so, now we have about close to 70% um, herd immunity on Fort Bragg.
2: Okay. Oh, wow. So as you all have the in-person service, how important you think it is to be vaccinated? Oh. Uh, that's a good question. So I think well, so for us we it's command give it and policy to you, you before.
3: <laughs> yeah, so for us it's command and policy. So chapels on posts are are um, governed by the commanding general. And so his guidance is, is, you you have to follow the guidance. So the guidance for us is to actually um, continue to try to be vaccinated. And then if we are vaccinated, we still are wearing masks. Um, outdoors, we don't have to wear them anymore. Indoors, we will wear them when we're not with our families. Uh, so it is very important for us just to be uh, precautious of it because we do have a lot of retirees that still come to our chapel services that are are the most vulnerable. Um, we have had uh, soldiers um, that have contracted uh, COVID. Uh, some of them have healed, some of them have actually uh, been bad. Uh, we so we've had a couple. Um, our, our youngest was 51 years old, uh, who was a contractor for one of our um, uh, user sock as a, a guardsman and he passed away from, from COVID. So our commander takes it very, very seriously um, and he understands the repercussions if we don't take it seriously. We also had a class that went through SEER, which is the, um, that is the training that you go through for survival training. Um, and 90% of that class uh, had COVID. And so we ended up wow. having to quarantine that entire class. And then, so, so it's, it's been very, very serious because it actually deals with the readiness of our military. So we, we definitely take it very, very seriously. Uh, but, but the way that we have conducted our services, um, it's a little bit different, at least for our Seventh-day Adventist chapel services. So we do chapel services. I, I see it more as a facilitator, me more rather than a preacher. So what we've done is we've actually used some of the videos from Right Now Media um, that go through Bible books. And right now, maybe, by the way, it's not 7th at Venice; It's Evangelical, but there's over 30,000 uh, small group Bible studies on that that you can look at, um, and you can actually view them before you teach them um, so that you can have that. So what we've done is we've actually been able to show that uh, they're usually about 10 to 15 minutes long, depending upon which Bible study mm-hmm. you're doing, and then facilitate discussion. So I think, uh, and I told them, I said, we're doing this this way because my philosophical view of doing church now um, has been that we need to actually create community. I think when people in the in our pews are just receiving information and not are and they're not allowed to be able to interact with that information, then we're just spewing out information, right? But if we are allowing them to actually uh, interact with the text that we're actually uh, talking about, now you have a dialogue in community of believers rather than just a monologue. From a chaplain speaking to that, and so, and it's worked phenomenally well. Where those that are coming to our our, our uh, chapel services are now feeling that they're part of the service because they're just not sitting there, you know, and warming a pew. They're actually interacting with what we're doing um, from that time. That we call worship time.
0: Yeah, okay. that, that's interesting. And I, I, if I could follow up with that, um, um, chaplain. Um, you and, and Dr. Pollard work with a similar age group or demographic in, in, many, in many ways. Um, and the comment that, that um, Dr. Pollard made about, um, well, uh, Dr. Pollard, I'd, I'd, I'd be happy for you to, ask, um, to, to make, ask it in your own way, the same thing that you asked us. I wonder if, if, if Chaplin sees any of that freedom or that thing within, within, within the military. Um, but I want you to word it how you worded it to us so I don't mess it up.
4: Well, that's a, No, no, no. I think I think that's a good question. I was listening to Chaplain Torres and, and, and thinking through exactly the same thing in the in the context of higher education. Um, and of course, our context may be very different because, you know, you have all of this freedom for students now um, to be and confused and to be eclectic and to hybridize their programs And part of what we're relying upon to give us guidance is actually student-focused research. Because in, in my industry, if I guess wrong, that can be fatal, right? You're trying to run an institution of 325 employees, a $50 million budget. So we have to eliminate in our work as much guess, you know, try to increase the probabilities that we're right and and I, I what i don't hear and i know we it's it's a challenge for us at the local church level which is where our conversation has been this afternoon so i want to stay with that but but how can we get research member focused research so that we begin to eliminate some of the guesswork that and, and increase the probabilities that we're going to make some good decisions and even if they're not completely accurate at least they were informed by a body of feedback from the members that actually help us. Because right now, if in the absence of that, man, I got to take my best guess, <laughs> you know, my best and hope it works. I got to roll the dice and hope it works. So that's why I was <laughs> asking. And there's a lot of research right now on the post pandemic student. For instance, I just finished a presentation from the Chronicle of Higher Education that indicated that most Gen Z's want an in-person experience Mm -hmm. in the university. But, 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 but now, remember, you got to define that by what they mean. So we have to now get underneath that and say to them, how does an in-person experience look to you? Mm -hmm. Because it may not be, see, what I think about is an in-person experience is the Oakwood that all of us have always known. Okay, but that's not what they mean. That means they can come when they can come when they want to come and they can leave when they want to leave. They can take this class when they want to take it on. Yeah, if I like that teacher, I want to be in person. If I don't, if I really got to take this class, but I'm not so hot on that teacher, then I take it online. So (laughs) they're moving pieces to what an in-person experience actually looks like. What does an in-person experience look like for your members?
1: That, Dr. Pollard, you, uh, you are so on point because this was a conversation I had with a colleague of mine as, when I served in, in youth ministries. Mm-hmm. Uh, the youth ministries of 2016 was looking like the youth ministries of 1916. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. all we did was maintain what was done in the past. And I believe that's what our churches do. We, we do the same ministry that we used to do. Um, we have had Women's Ministries Day for so many years. We have had, we, we only do the ministry that we know we have had success with, and we stick with it, not realizing the generation has changed. They and we've changed.
0: On. And success, and success. On. And by success, all we mean is that there were a lot of people in the building that we had to spend a lot of money to feed in the end, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, buy corsages mm-hmm, for, and all that stuff, so.
4: Shannon Room Only, you know, that, that criteria, is yeah. Yeah. Room Only, yeah.
1: Right. So, 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 so did, guys, I, did I
4: interpret the question? That's what I was trying. No, but to
1: say but Dr. Paula, did I interpret when you said free and
4: highly yeah. eclectic? Okay. Yeah, did I, I interpret- They're eclectic, and mm. I think colleagues. I mean, I, I, so I I haven't been on an airplane, and you know, I I would I did hundred fifty thousand yeah. miles a year, all ten years of my presidency of Oakwood. But starting March thirteenth of last year. I haven't been on a plane again. I have my, my, my institution. I, I was going over some finances with my, uh, with my finance officer. Um, she, my, my, we saved $94,000 on me, just not traveling. Wow. I, I, I just think about that. So, so again, I think, I think as chaplain was saying, as chaplain Torres was saying, I, I think we've got to really, this, if this is a great opportunity and, and and we have to be able to, to set up demonstration projects that allow you as pastors to get data from your members to help your decision making. It doesn't mean that we remove the visionary part or anything like that, but at least your your vision is built on some verifiable information. And that's that's one of the challenges of COVID. Maybe before COVID, you didn't need that that much, but when you tell me that builders, pastor, are saying they're done, now now think about what a builder represents to your congregation. They've got the greatest amount of discretionary income. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They often fund the stuff you want to do. Yep. You know, I, I, you know, when you're when my daughter is in that 30-somethings. They're running a family. They're trying to educate kids, trying to keep them in church school. They got limited resources that, they, that they, they're both professional, but yes, they will pick and choose what they. But usually, the builders, those are the people you can go to them if you need help, they'll help you. When they start saying, I'm done, man, that, that's the canary in the mine shaft to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: So so speaking of organizational structure, I'm going to let you know what we in the military have been doing because I think that's where we're getting at here of how we are going to be able to be relevant with this generation and not continue to be in the same organizational structure that we have been doing for so many years. And I can tell you from a three-star general, General Corolla, who is the commanding general for Fort Bragg, what he has done has been he actually had opened up And he says, I don't care if he's a private for, you know, coming into the army now, or I don't care if he's a sergeant major who is the highest enlisted soldier. He says, I want to put, I want to create a platform and they call it because we're the 18th Airborne Corps, we're the dragons, the airborne Um, And and so he says, it's going to be called the dragon slayer. And I want innovation to happen. And so he's created a platform for different topics of innovations to happen. And literally I've seen a private brief on an innovation that he had for, that can change, I mean, the whole entire structure. And we're not talking about just of 18th Airborne Corps, I'm talking about the whole entire structure of the Army in innovations that we're bringing through. So, 8th Airborne Corps is right now the leading, the the tip of the spear, on innovations for the whole entire military, when it comes, not military, I'm talking about the army in the, the branch. And so I think it's just like Dr. Leslie Poller was saying, I think it's creating, but, but the problem is that we have not been good in creating that platform where everyone can participate. Right? That's I powerful. think those that need to be heard are not being heard because we actually try to, um, you know, try to filter the things that we want to, to be heard and those that we don't want to be heard then we just put them aside and say well that's not good enough and so we're not we're not creating a platform that is unbiased in in allowing these uh, and i'm talking about the younger generation to be innovative to be able to say okay these are the things our churches need hey leaders what are we doing about it and then beyond that (laughs) in the military we have like i always say And I know Pastor uh, Anselm Paul has heard this before, but the MOPs and MOEs, right, measures of performance and measures of effectiveness, we're not good at that, at our church level. And so we continue to do the same things over and over and over again, expecting something different, which Mm -hmm. that is a term for insanity, right? And so (laughs) where can we as leaders come out with with, okay, this is our goals, these are our LOEs, which is lines of efforts, and how can we make sure that in these lines of efforts, we can have what we need, and we can actually measure it. Because if we can't measure it, then what you're doing is, there's no effectiveness of that, right? So we gotta find ways, and by the way, in the Army, we're dealing with that now, because we just came out with a holistic, uh, and it's called holistic health, Chapter 10 of that FM uh, 7-22 Holistic Health is on spirituality. So we're having to grapple that and figure out what criteria do we have as a, in, in the Army to actually measure spirituality. Now, mm. from a Christian point of view, that's very easy, right? But when you think about the military, you have a lot of folks that are atheists, wow. deists, you know, Buddhist, Hindu. So we're we're grappling with that whole entire, you know, how can we create some criteria in order for us to have MOPs and MOEs with that.
2: But Chaplain, I like what she said. Powerful. Uh, My question is, the initiative seems like it was leadership
3: driven. Am I right? All the way, yes. The three-star general is the highest general here is the one that said, we're
2: going to do this. So your general said, I'm giving everybody a seat at the table. What if the leadership is not saying that? Within our churches, within our institutions, within our unions, within our divisions, within the general conference. To the
0: NAD bulletin (laughs) that just came out yesterday. where (laughs) where we, By the way, we want to congratulate Dr. Leslie Pollard for being, I don't know, is it re-voted back to the uh, NAD uh, executive committee? Oh, no, yeah, one of, those, I mean,
4: one of those committees. Yeah, that Corporation, I think, yeah. committee. You know, is well, with let's stick yeah, with, with, with this. Uh, uh, Dion, thank you, and let's stick with this. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 Dr. Dion, okay. I know all your leaders. I know every one of your leaders. I know every one of them. <laughs> There's nothing your leader can do to stop you from gathering the data that you need to make that church successful. True. So, oh, so 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 let's not look beyond ourselves, right? There you know, my, my one of my favorite guys, Jeffrey, uh oh, i forgot forgotten his last name now, but he wrote a book called Waiting for Superman. Uh, uh I forgot Jeffrey Canada, Jeffrey Canada from New York City started uh, the that's Harlem right, That's League. right. So Jeffrey said one day, he tells this story. He said, Now you, you gotta understand Jeffrey is the quintessential New Yorker, right? He I mean accent everything. So Jeffrey starts this school because he's trying to keep these kids to keep keep them in school. So Jeffrey, Jeffrey says one day, one of the state senators or something calls him and wants to meet him. So the guy comes to talk to him and he says to him, uh, he says, well, well, Dr. Canada, um, tell us what should we be doing in New York, this successful School, you. What should we be doing in New York? And Jeffrey said he looked at him, you know. And I can't imitate it, but that that Brooklyn Bronx bro. He said, "You asking me?" He said, well, I, "I'm just a little teacher out here. I should be asking you." And he said he left that conversation with the title, "We've got to stop waiting for Superman." And he wrote a book, became a bestseller, "Waiting for Superman." Superman ain't coming. Mercy, true. Superman is not. coming. So so in our churches, I think Dion, I think if you begin asking the right questions and you structure and and you get some help from people who do this for a living, help you with the survey research. We did a focus group just recently. We want to get our students into the in campus experience. We think Oakwood's in campus experience is still valuable, but we had to ask them, what does that mean to them? You know what they told us? They told us in focus groups repeatedly. It looks like apartment style living. If I come back to campus, I don't, I don't want to live with, I may not want to live with a roommate. Because, uh, you know, the virus, right? I'm afraid of COVID, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I want to be on campus. So now we have to now look at what is it that we have to do? And I've tasked our, our new VP for student services with this. What does it look like to create an Oakwood in which there is apartment-style living on campus? What does that look like? What adjustments do we have to make in order for that to work? What does the security booth now look like? Um, mm-hmm. What kind of calls do students get when they come in? What, what does apartment-style living look like? A 19-year-old, what does it mean for curfew? A 19-year-old, at home, their parents say, they don't have to come in by 11 o'clock, just tell me where you are. Mm-hmm. Cell phone technology, right? So, mm-hmm. so, so, so many things that we have done In the past, to protect the culture and environment of Oakwood, as you all know, Mm -hmm. those things were done pre-information technology, pre-the new parenting perspectives, all of those things. So what does that look like? And that's what our team is working on. Because, again, our data is saying to us that students want to be on campus, but it's not the way you and I were on campus, like prisoners at 10 o'clock p.m. You know, it's not (laughs) like I may want my my
2: (laughs) children up there to be like prisoners and at ten (laughs)
4: o'clock but but you see but again Dion you see so you see so you see what you just said in jest is a part of what we have to navigate because you have families who say no 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 ain't no way for them to be after ten o'clock they need to be back on campus. Yeah. So you got in parents you go. in, Huntsville, in Huntsville, right? In Huntsville, I am paying you saying, to get them back on You got on students campus. saying, yeah. I want, no, I, I, treat me like an adult. I'm 20 years old. Treat me like an adult. OK, yeah. that, that's what we're trying to navigate, exactly what you described.
2: And, and let me just say this, and I know some of my colleagues probably want to jump in there. I, I think that um, just like what Chaplain Torres is saying, it's good when leadership you know, provides a platform uh, for everyone to have a seat at the table. However, we know that sometimes movements are not started with leaders because sometimes mm-hmm. leaders put a leadership lid. You know, John Maxwell talks about the leadership lid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that as we continue on, we, we have the general conference coming up next year. I guess NAD is gonna meet again, you know, but I think that we're having a generation that's that's going to start a a powerful movement. I think the movement has already been started to make these changes so that the voices are heard because if we don't change what we're doing then we're not going to be impactful and I like what you said Dr. Pollard uh, uh, making decisions that are driven by or somewhat by data
4: at least right? informed so by it. Yeah, sure.
2: Informed. Informed making informed decisions. Mm-hmm. And I think that within the scope of our denomination and even our hospital system, you know, where I don't think well, I know we're not represented appropriately in our hospital system. Mm-hmm. So I think that there there has something has to be done so that the the leadership can be challenged so that the decisions that we're making for the institution, for the churches, I'm a pastor, um, they, ha- they have to be informed decisions and we better listen. Because if we don't listen, then I, it's, it's, the repercussions are you know, enormous.
3: Can, can I share a leadership gap? Please. And so, so, so this is what I see. I've been in the military now for 16 years, right? And so in the military, we have three different levels. We have strategic level, we have operational level and we have you you have at the very at the very bottom as a battalion chaplain, you're at the tactical level. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that most of our pastors are very uh very comfortable at the tactical, tactical level, level because that's where they grew and that's where they know how to be. Now when mm-hmm. they come to the operational level, i.e. union director, union pastors, uh, mm-hmm. many of them are challenged there because Mm -hmm. now they don't know what to do at that level and then we have the strategical level where you're supposed to be at the nad i.e if you have not received any type of strategical training you're going to find yourself lost in the sauce so you go back Mm -hmm. to being just what's comfortable for you which is at the tactical level and so Mm -hmm. a lot of our leadership i think what we have strategic a strategical gap that we see in our church structure is that we have not developed good leaders in a sense of growing in the leadership responsibilities and duties at different levels. And so if, if, if I were to be a IE union pastor it says, okay, give me my duties and responsibilities as a union pastor. <laughs> it might have them on paper, but when it comes to the practicality of it, do I have those capabilities to be able to fill that position? And, by the way, the only reason I'm getting that position is because somebody that knows me from the contingency meetings that they have said, well, you know, I know Chapman Torres and I know he has these, you know, he's a great guy. So let's put him up there. That is not that is not good leadership because they're not putting oh, me mercy. there because of my capabilities. Uh-huh. They're putting me there because they know me. Right. So the whole entire structure is <laughs> If I would, I say in the army, they say eight up. So the whole entire structure is eight up How We actually bring to leadership positions, those that are in leadership positions, and then they don't have the capabilities to do it. And then i.e., if I have a demon or whatever behind my, then I stop growing because I, I, I got there. I got to the plateau. I'm now a doctor. You talk, call me as a doctor. And once I get there, then I'm good. And so Big strategical gap that we have is that we do not have a structure in which we develop leaders. Listen, we need I'm to be able George. to do that in a powerful way. And in the army, they do that. And the problem with the army is, if you're not a good leader, guess what? You're not going to get promoted. And if you don't get promoted, you get kicked out of the army. Unfortunately, we don't have that anymore. <laughs> but George, in the George, church, I, I would I would you ask? I would I, would, I, would I can't help back, you, brother. I, I can't kick him out.
0: <laughs> I, I would push you, George, just a little bit, or, or push back just a little bit on. On on how you layered that thing, because I I would suggest that each one of those layers exist primarily at the local church level that a local church will not and cannot be successful or effective if all they have is tactical application. If you don't have the middle layer or, or the or the top layer, even at the local church level, then the local church level. And so so the question is, are we equipping is that does that gap exist even at the local church level? And, and I think that in, in too many cases it does. You've got some local church leadership, i.e. pastors who, yeah, they're great tacticians, but they do squat when it comes, as pardon my language, they don't do a whole lot at all when it comes to strategy because they're not wired that way, they're not built that way, or you've got some that are re- great when it comes to strategy, um, but when it comes to tactical work, actually, getting I can come up with the ideas and this, but how do we turn the ideas into, you know, taking the objective? Um, those becomes, and at the local church level, I think that's where so many of us struggle. Even myself, I I am probably more of a strategist in my own head. I can come up with brilliant ideas and this, that, and the other, but when it comes to actually putting the nuts and bolts together of the, the the tactician part, those are, those are some of the areas where for me personally, I'm like, (laughs) man, I need some help in that area.
3: So, so, Paul, I think you're spot on, and, and let, me, let me just explain to you how it actually works in the Army, right? So I just came out of a warfighter exercise. That means that we get orders from our C-Flick, which is the highest level, right? Those orders are then given from our Corps—I'm going to get a little bit military here—to then our brigades, which are the operational— they then grab those operational orders and make it their own and then give it to the battalion. So I, I, I think that's what Dr. Henry was saying, right? If if we don't have guidance in a sense, because you can, you can be as innovative as you want once you get the orders from your higher ups, but there has to be a guidance to where you want to be there. The mission is there, right? So at a strategical level, we already see the mission from a, from a very high perspective, and we're going to be able to coordinate with IE, Air Force, Navy, whatever we need to be able to accomplish the mission. I think what happens many times is at the highest level, we don't even know what the mission is for that community. Mercy. Right. Mm. And so if we can't from the higher level, say to this community, Hey, these are objectives. These are some of our goals that we want you to hit. Okay. Then at a tactical level, I already know where to guide myself with, but right now what's happening is everyone is doing their own thing. Trying to serve the same community and they're not even cooperating or collaborating with one another to uh, meet those objectives because they don't have them they're just doing the same thing over and over again and so it's 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 and there's so much in so the problem that i have i mean we have so many young people that have so many innovative ideas that can bring this and take us to another level but because of the bureaucracy of how we do it Or how do we do ministry that has caused us to, but the awesome part about it is is this, everyone has had a voice now with Mm COVID-19. You guys, I mean, just being able to be here, everyone has a voice. It's no longer just a pastor preaching up there and telling us what to do. Everyone now has a voice and it's being heard. Now, that whole entire thing, uh, Pastor Paul, when you were saying, hey, when I go back to church, one of the greatest fears, well, guess what? One of my greatest fears is, those voices are not going to be heard anymore yeah because they're going to be stopped it's going to go back Mm -hmm. to just the preacher preaching and nobody else listens or Uh, participates so yeah So, as someone
1: someone who just left that level um chaplain torres you you have hit it on the head um i came from a con i came from the conference where we were hands-on tactical working with the churches But once I got to the union office, there there was some there was a a disconnect for me as to how I now help that those groups of churches and you are on point. I have to look at it from a I had to look at it from a different perspective in not necessarily knowing what they do tactically, but what how that tactical um, impact can be fitted into the overall strategy for the movement of the organization in that region. And mm-hmm. and it's, that is not, that does not come easily unless you're really thinking strategically. And a lot of our leadership is not there because of the fact that we only live in that tactical arena.
4: Mm-hmm. wait may, may I just, may I throw something in here just for a second? Yes. Um, so when you look at, I want to go back to Dion's observation about structure earlier. When when you all claim I was in my pajamas and I wasn't, but that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, so, so his question about structure. So when you look at the Adventist Church structure, from the General Conference on down, it really looks like a military structure, but it's not. <laughs> because the constituency so, so it looks like a military structure but then again it's not it, it looks like a structure maybe for higher education but then it's not and, and then it looks like one that you could see in healthcare, but then mm-hmm. it's not if you just look at the flow chart mm-hmm. the challenge with the structure is that once you get past the local ch- once you get down to the local church you all as pastors are doing the most, in my opinion, my humble opinion, you are doing the most difficult leadership there is, you're leading volunteers, mm-hmm. you're leading volunteers. And the whole, the, the, the whole dynamic changes from when I stand in front of faculty, our faculty, the, the model in, in higher education is a collegial model, and we are colleagues in the mission. Mm-hmm. So we are equal, and I may be first among equals. But ultimately, they're employees. I'm an employee. We all. So I still have that employer-employee yeah. relationship in place. We don't have that at the local church level. Volunteers can walk, and 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 a lot of observers have said the most difficult leadership there is today is leading a voluntary nonprofit because they can walk at any time. So, so the notion of buy-in. Becomes really, really important. And chaplain, I have three brothers who did military and retired, like really with high honors and all those things. One of the things they say that has changed in the military is that command and control is now being combined with creativity. Command and control, the old fifties model, you know, do as we say and shut up. You know, mm-hmm. that. but but that's no no more because the, the community has changed. Young people have changed. Soldiers have changed. Everything has changed. That's what I think you're facing on the local level so even as you do the strategic operational and tactical leadership you need them to say yes you don't pay them anything you need them to say yes and that's the hardest part of this so it has to be a vision that captures their passion for what has to accomplish and i think covid COVID has, has just recast the whole game. You have a tremendous opportunity. Um, and I pray for you as you do it. Cause nobody knows where we're going after mm-hmm. COVID. Nobody really
3: knows. Wow. I, I totally agree with Dr. Leslie Pollard, um, at the tactical level, it is the hardest and it is the yeah. most rewarding as well as a yeah. chaplain at the tactical level. When I was there, it was, it was phenomenal. Um, but everyone has to have a buy-in into it, right? And and I think we just need to use the talents of those volunteers uh, to their best use. And now I'm gonna, this is innovation here. Do away, are you ready for this one? Do away with only having 10% of your community in leadership. Mm. So spiritual based leadership means that everyone that's there has a spiritual gift that needs to be well employed in the congregation. This whole entire notion that once a year we're gonna get together and we're just gonna vote on a couple of people leading and everyone else is gonna sit back and do anything because we have the leaders. We need to get away from that. Wow. Um, And we need to start looking at Okay, you come into the church, you come into the fellowship of believers, what is your spiritual gift? How can we employ you so that you can feel that you're doing a difference, that you're actually doing something in the church? When I was a pastor in Miami, that's one thing I told Florida Conference, I said, I am not going to be doing nomination committee. We're going to have placement committee. Everyone coming into the church is going to be placed into some type of ministry. And if they're not wanting to be placed into ministry, go find membership somewhere else. We are here to serve. We have a mission. And so mm-hmm. part of it is understanding the person having self-awareness, right? And then using that, that day, having, <laughs> having an emotional intelligence to say, okay, I have the self-awareness here to know that these are my spiritual gifts. I remember one guy, he's like, well, I, 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 I can't do anything in church. I was like, why? Mm-hmm. I said, what is, what is it that you like? He goes, well, I like to do audio. I was like, guess what, brother? We need a person to be an audio tech in the back. We need somebody who can mix well. Because one of the things that we have in our church is that we don't know how to mix well. We have good people singing, but nobody mixing well. And so we actually send them out to be trained in mixing and sound systems, so that when we did things, we did it with excellence. And so part of it is just you know, getting away with, yes, we do need leaders. I, I got that, we understand that. But we gotta get away with, hey, if you're, everyone, 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 everyone coming into your doors, once they become a, a fellowship, once they, they are, they're committed to that fellowship, should have a part in some form or another of using their spiritual gifts to, to be able to, you know, build the kingdom of God. I don't know why we, and and some of them are just waiting then. And so then it becomes a power game, right? I have the gifts of leadership, but I'm going to wait till the next year so that I can be nominated. And if I don't, you know, so they'll start working the whole entire issue of getting enough, you know, the right people to talk to the right folks politically, so then they can get into that position. And then once they get the permission, then they don't want to let go of it because now it becomes power. Right. And so right. we got to get away from all of that because, you know, like Lincoln said, give a man power and you'll know his true character. So we got right. to get away from the power struggle that we have in positions in our local churches and give everyone the opportunity to be able to use their God given spiritual gifts to be able to uplift the kingdom of God.
1: Amen. Yvette, I think you. to answer your question, Yvette, you, uh. It goes back to what we talked about earlier, accountability. If we put accountability into our leaders or into our church structures, people will not be sitting in an organization for 20 years doing nothing, or Mm. doing something and not being innovative to take us to the next level. We allow these things to happen and we we have to make a change on that.
4: Uh, Pastor Paul, may I just respond to one of your questioners? I saw a question pop through about about the survey and the feedback, yes, we do a parents a parents partner meeting uh, once a semester with our parents. We didn't do it during COVID. We just got wiped out because of COVID, and that's where we collect actually the feedback and the perspectives, Dion, from from parents on on how they think we should be educating their children. So, so, so that yeah, so there it is. So Jennifer, so thank you for that question. That was the question we were responding to. Yes, we have to involve all the constituents and all the stakeholders in the shaping of their children. That's real. Yeah. Hey, uh, hey, listen, everybody.
1: Um, I, I have to say this. I have to say this, Dr. Pollard, thank you for expressing a different way of thinking. I mean, most of us will sit here and think, well, Oakwood don't know what they're doing or the organization, but you have actually laid out some things that show that, that there is care and intentionality yeah. to take care of our modern day children. And I, I want to I, I applaud you and thank you for the oh, leadership yeah. that you're there.
0: Absolutely, and George, your contribution is always just spot on, yeah. and it's 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 invigorating, it's it's motivating, it's inspiring. Um, we we, uh, we see that our tax dollars are are actually doing some good. <laughs> so uh, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Hey, hey <laughs> brother, oh, please, please, please pray for me
3: because I'm going to be headed into a uh, first half for Hood, and if you guys know what has been happening in the news with Forehood. So I, I've been, I've been directed to to that's gonna be my next uh, assignment, duty assignment at Forehood as a first CAV division chaplain. So I'll be at wow. the uh, operational leading those brigade chaplains. But please pray for us as, as we lead mm-hmm. into this new journey that God has us in Texas. Absolutely. And listen, I just we'll want to say that. this too.
2: Thank you all for coming on. Yeah. I mean, we started this show, yeah. the conversation just flowed and God brought the right people to talk to us and talk to our viewers so thank you so much listen uh, gentlemen i really really like this show um especially the topic that we dealt with today uh, because we gotta be accountable we have to be intentional and i want to say the plantation style of leadership has to go nice. it's not gonna work now
4: oh, boy. the plantation style oh, boy. so let me just Come say work to the
2: leaders out there if you're still trying to operate like you're on a plantation I'm telling you, you're not going to be there very
4: long. <laughs> well, gentlemen, so gentlemen, this is a saying from long, long, long ago when I started the ministry. I never forget the, the conference president, then one of the old school conference presidents, he said, I'm using your analogy, D.I. If you can't master, you can't pastor. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was popular in the 40s and 50s. Believe me, that mm-hmm. was popular. Yeah. yeah. You can't master, but but everything has changed now, and, and we're so blessed. And what you all are doing, I want to affirm what you all are doing, this open conversation, because so many times, don't you think, Chaplain, our people feel nobody's listening to us. Nobody even thinks like we're thinking, but uh, what you have been doing is a service for the work of the church. And and I thank you for it. And I'm still waiting for you to do that one on critical race theory. I'm still waiting for that one Because that yeah. that's a real that's a real thing today. That's a real yeah. thing today. So, yeah, and anyway, we're seeing anyway, more we're and more of that on.
0: pop up in headlines and in news and in conversations that right. are thing is real. That thing yeah. is real. Yeah. And that have real real deep implications and repercussions as to how you you digest or ingest um, the, the concepts embedded in that so I, I'm anxious to, to move forward we have had that discussion doc we just have not nailed okay, okay. the date but we are we are looking forward to that
1: uh, D- dr. Paul before we finish um, chaplain. Um, I just want to let you know, now that you're moving to Fort Hood, the Federation, the Youth Federation there in the Southwest Region Conference, the mm-hmm. North Central Texas Federation has a ministry to the Fort Hood uh, community um, that they do. And I, I know they did it on a regular basis. And so I know they would be happy to connect with you and to see how they can continue to grow Um, their young people to serve in that Killeen area um, uh, of Fort Hood. So um, I'm excited you're there. I'll try and put you together with the president so that y'all can collaborate and do some things there. Thank
0: you. I look forward to it. Absolutely. As we talked about last night, I've done a lot of singles ministry out in Texas. so I.